So, today's daf is Lamed Hay, 35. And we are actually more or less caught up. We pick up, let's see if we can keep on Tarakh. We pick up at the bottom of Lamed Dal and Lamed Bet, and we are dealing with the source of how we know that women are uh, exempt from Mitzvah Saseh Shazman Grama and obligated from Mitzvah Saseh that is not Hazman Grama. And as uh, one of my students uh, mentioned to me today, who was, yesterday who was doing the daf, he said, it is so, like, convoluted how we try to get it out. And there's, you know, just as many exceptions as there are things that fall on the rule. And the question about why do you use certain things as the paradigm and other things as the exception and not vice versa, which is the question the Gemara has. And, you know, then the Gemara's answer, it's not like you're so overwhelmed by how persuasive the answer is um, and you know and he said so this is really like they just really just knew this and they were just going back and linking it to Pesukim so I said you know what that's exactly what Rambam says so <laughs> um, and you know to remind us that Rambam actually says not just that the Klal has exception they lamenting in a Klalos but the Rambam actually says against the simple sense of the Gemara the Gemara seems to feel like this rule will really dictate and will really tell us about things that we don't know what their status is we just refer to the rule unless we have something to teach us an exception whereas Rambam at the end of the day says you know we don't know any of this stuff from a rule we, all, we just know really everything from Misora in terms of which things women are obligated and which things women are exempt so that deals you know in general we've shown and when the Drashot seem to be um, not straightforward it's always a question did Chazal have a tradition about certain things and they went back to find how it was based in the Psukim or did they start by not knowing and then they said well let's derive it. And the more convoluted a, you know, the link to the psukin is, and the more it's not at all clear what made you follow this path rather than another path, the more Rishonim say that that sounds like they started with the tradition, and they just went back to link it to the psukin. So that's worth, I think, as a way of framing some of the issues we've been dealing with. Anyway... Have you... Have you did you make mention of, or do you think it's worth it? And Saul, Rabbi Saul Berman wrote a, what had been a very well-known article many years ago on precisely... Uh, yeah, but that's a larger issue about women's status. So, um, But yes, I mean, he does very much address the issue about the exemption of which Mr. Sashesh has Grumman. I think he deals with the Ramam as well. Actually, recently, a woman, I think, just came out with... Uh, her doctoral dissertation was on the development of this in like Chazal and the various Midrash Halacha and so on about like this category of the mitzvahs that women are obligated and exempted mitzvahs Shazman Grama since you discussed your paper out of like a, a recent Jofa conference so there is obviously some academic work on this I don't remember her name anyway um, so um, let's just review where we are in the Gemara the cases where we have a mitzvahs Shazman Grama Okay, let's see how good people's memory is. I had to erase it because I had another class. Okay, the cases where women are patur that we have in the psukim are tefillin. We, of course, mentioned the irony that this serves as the paradigm, even though, what do you call it, even though it's learned from Talmud Torah, and Talmud Torah is not in the same category. Okay, we have tefillin, we have re'iyah, right, olat re'iyah, and what was the other one? Uh, how, how good does anybody remember? Um, tefillin and re'iyah... Uh, there was a th- third one, wasn't there? Hakel. Hi, no, Hakel is Chayev. Oh, yeah, so in the in the Chayev category, we have Hakel, and we have oh here I guess we have wait 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 here, Hakel, what do we have in the Chayev category? We have Hakel and Matzah, okay. And Galat Kosov, no? no? Please, we're dealing with the races. So, so, uh, okay, so, so could the other one yeah, so Sukkah was. 
Sukkah, we're, right. Sukkah was the third example. Right. Okay. So what we said was basically the question became, well, which one becomes the paradigm and which one becomes the exception? So the Gemara said, well, this is the rule and this is the rule and this is the exception. Well, what do you, why, why do you say that? Why don't you say the reverse? So it says, well, no, these are shnei suvim ha'blayim ke'echad. Since, you know, the basic principle is that if it was the rule, you would only need to say it once. If you say it twice, you're, then it's obviously an exception because you're pointing out the exception. So the Gemara says, well, this also says it two or three times. Let these be the exceptions. So it says, no, no, no. Here, each one told you something. You needed each one. Each one, because, what? Well, sukkah, we don't, we, we need, because you would have said you would have said um, you would have said what do you call it? You would have said teshu um, taduru, and you would have thought that that's dafka reason to be mechayev. So you needed so you needed to tell me that that your that you that your potter here needed to say because you would have made a gzera shavat a hakel. Here you would have told me what would you have said by tefillin? Um, Oh, you would have linked it to mezuzah. So each one of these, you would have had a reason to say chiv and had to point it out. So the pointing out doesn't mean that it's an exception. It was just to clarify that the rule is still in place. Whereas here, the Gemara says, you didn't need to tell me hakel. You could have just told me that the, that the, that the infants are chayiv and hakel, and I would have known that the women are chayiv, and you would not have, and I could have learned it out from matzah, and you wouldn't have had to tell me. So since hakel is extra, okay, this is superfluous, that means that these are the snakes suvim habayim ke'echad. That it's seen as that they're not necessary, they're not both necessary, and therefore this is the exception, and this is the rule. Okay, that's where we left off. So now we continue at the bottom of Lamed Dal, Lamed Dal, Lamed Dal. Mercy is like three. You crossed out Simcha from this list, because there were three originally. Oh, uh, Simcha, right, thank yeah. you. Simcha is also not, is also because that's basically, well, the Gemara sort of said to some degree, Simcha is Bala Mesamcha, so it's not even so relevant. Thank you. Okay, good. So now the Gemara says like this. Hanicha, we pick up um, like eight lines from the bottom, last word on the line. Hanicha, Lamanda Amar, Ein Malamdin. That's good if you say that when you have two cases that are said explicitly, they're not the rule. And Lamanda Amar, Malamdin, but there's some that say that no, even if the Torah gives you two examples, it's the rule. Michael Amar, what can you say? So, okay, we have only two examples here. Let's, let that be the rule. The fact that there's one extra is not enough to say it's not the rule. So if you say that even when you have snakes you still haven't told me why the Chayev category is the exception. Let the Chayev category be the rule. That's question number one. The two, question number two, That's all says man grama. How about where do you know the opposite rule? Okay? How do you know the opposite rule? That Shaloas man grama that women are chayav. Maybe women should be putter. Okay? Because there's also cases that fall in each category. Okay? How do you know that? The Yalif Mimo so the Yalif Mimora. You learn it from from Ishimo Vaviv Tirau, where it explicitly says where where the, where we learn out, you know, Tirau in the plural means a man and a woman are chayav in Yirasavaim. Ma Mora Nashim Chayasav. Okay, so how do you know the Tuchayev? Because it says, because it says, you know, Yira by Avaim. Okay, that's how we know the Chayev. That's the rule. So the Gemara is going to say, okay, here, this is the rule here, and this is the rule, right? This is the rule, the Tuchayev. Okay, so the Gemara is going to say, the name is Mitalmut Torah. One minute, there are things that are laws of Angrama that women are potter, like Talmud Torah. Let Talmud Torah be the rule. Okay? We say this is the rule and this is the exception. But how do you know? 
Let Talmud Torah be the rule. For now, we Talmud Torah. No, Mishum Tarei Talmud Torah. Pure Riv, your snakes from Abayim Kecha, but those snakes from Abayim Kecha they malam them. Same type of answer. You also have Pure Riv. Ironically, right? That that's the one that women are actually having the babies. But based on the Gemara and Yevamos, we say that only men are obligated in Pure Riv. So we get back to the same rule. How do we know that this is the exception? Because there are two of them, and that makes it the exception. And this makes it makes it the rule because there's only one. Of course, we're going to see that's not going to be so easy to say. So let's keep on. Let's keep on reading. Ureb Yochanan ben Broka, top of Lamed Hamed Aleph. Quench Reb Yochanan ben Broka. Damar al Shneim who Omer vayivarch otam elokim. So who says that? You know, it says vayivarch otam elokim. Vayom alahem elokim. Pruervu. So he reads a pretty shot read of the psukim. Women are obligated in pruervu. So pruervu, Micah. So pruervu. God says in pruervu. So Michael Meimer. So you don't have two. You only have one. And if you only have one, let this be the rule. So the Gemara says, no, Mishum David Tamatar Pidyan Haben, Snake Sumaban Kechad. Remember, we learned earlier that women are exempt in Pidyan Haben, and that once the kid hits 30 days, that's a mitzvah without stop. It doesn't stop at night, it doesn't stop the whole life. So that's a mitzvah Saseh Shalosman Grama. So again, we have two cases, that makes it the exception. So did we learn that now specifically from other Sukim Pidyan Remain that that's why? No, we learned it from the fact that it said, uh, you know, what, what, what was the Pasuk? It says, Tifde, Tipade, Mishi whatever, but not from anyway. Well, that's what I mean. Learn from a so what? So isn't that like an exception there? Because Yeah, that's what we're saying. These, are, I mean, the fact that it said it means that there are exceptions. That's the point. That's That's exactly why it's not a rule. Because if it was a rule, you wouldn't have had to learn it from a pasuk. That's the logic of Okay. So the Gemara says. So therefore, fine. Now the Gemara says. So we still have the question, we still haven't answered this, right? That if you say you need that two psukim, you can be malamed, why do you know which is the rule, which is the exception? But working still with the idea that once there's two psukim, it's, it's the exception, we've also explained that here as well, there's the exception. So the Gemara says, one minute. The Gemara says, one minute. According to Yochanan and Broka, Puravu moves to the other column, right? It's like right now on election season. If you're voting for somebody else it actually switches two points of the of the lineup, right? right? <laughs> so so when Puravu moves to this column, according to Rabbi Yochanan Ben Broka, this becomes now the exception. You also have two cases here. So why do you make this the exception? Make this the exception. Okay? Um no, 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 no. There, according to Rabbi Yochanan and Broker, you would say you needed both cases to be said explicitly. And if they, they're necessary to be said, they're not the exception. Because of Rahman and Mora, Velokasbir, Revia, if it had said, Yerasav the aim, Haviamina, the Chiv Shua, Amarachmana, Ishtarko Lichvosh, the Elichabe, or Lichvosh, right? The aim, Ishtarko Lichvosh, or Lichabesh. Anyway, Lichvosh. Anyway, yeah, so anyway. Right, I know. So why is there no, no Vav there? Anyway, whatever. Okay, anyway. Okay, fine. <laughs> That's a good point. Okay, so anyway, so the pasuk, where, meaning where the Chazal know, the Yodim and Broker makes such a powerful point that it says, you know, Vayomer Lahem Elohim Puravu, right? I mean, so how how do the rabbis answer back? Why is it only the man's obligation? Because it says, right, Puravu Umilu Es Aretz Umilu 
right? Et haaretz v'chiv shuha v'chiv shuha. So if it's supposed to be about about sort of having dominion over the land, settling the land, dominion, etc., you know, this uh, and this might even have a militaristic sense of you know of whatever you know uh, seizing and conquering, conquering. I guess is a good word. So anyway, so obviously it says that indicates that we're talking to the man because that's the type of thing that's assumed to be like male behavior. So that indicates the pasuk is talking about the man. Right. So, so therefore, it, so the reason it had to say explicitly, it's a little bit funny. The reason it had to say, I guess you would say, the reason it had to explicitly say that women are chayiv in Puravu, not that it had to say Puravu, it had to say Puravu because it was a mitzvah of Puravu. But the women had to make it clear, Vayomer Lahem Elohim, to spell it out explicitly, was because you might have thought, like the rabbis, that Shua meant only men. So therefore, that was necessary to be said. And if it's necessary, it's not an exception. That's why Puravu was necessary to be said. Okay? No, I would have thought that it all that if it just said Mora, I would have said I'm sorry, I think I jumped that. I would have said that if it had just said Mora, I would have said that it's only Mora and not Purvu because of this Tarkolichvos. I said it right. So therefore it had to say explicitly Purvu that it's women as well, so I shouldn't make this mistake. The E cause of Purvivya, if it had just said women are obligated in Purvu, why can't I I have learned out Yurasavain from that? The low cause of Mora, Haviamina, each to see Pepe other Lazos in. No, I would have said that this is a, maybe this is a special case that women should be exempt from Yerasav aim. Why? Because men have a greater freedom of, you know, in a marriage, greater sort of, uh, they don't have, a, you know, a sense of greater sort of freedom of activity, and therefore they're obligated in Yerasav aim. So a woman who does not have that same latitude, she has the primary responsibilities at home to her husband and to her kids, well, maybe the Torah would have exempted her from Yerasav aim. So, since there are times she's not able to do it. Lo maybe she'd get a straight, uh, a total exemption. Tzricha, it needs to say. So the Gemara says, ah, according to Yochanan ben Broca, having two here does not make this the exception, because each one is necessary. I shouldn't have limited Puravu to the man because of Rechif Shua. I shouldn't li- limit Yerushal the aim to the man because uh, he has more freedom of activity. So it had to say it, and the fact that it was necessary to say it means that it's the rule and not the exception. Okay, where here... Anything, then. What? So there's no rule, there's no nothing. Exactly. These are special exceptions. They have independent reasons. How can you cluster them? As long as it's the other point. The fact that it's presumes that it's going to be the rule. It only becomes the exception if we see that it having been said was superfluous. Okay? Anytime anything is said once, we makes us infer that that's the rule. Don't say that this is repeated unnecessarily because there's a reason to say it in all the cases. Whereas here, it's understood that the, that the fact that, that it was unnecessary to say it in both places, right? If this, if this were the rule, it wouldn't have had to be said both by Talmud Torah and Pidyan Aben. And the fact that it's said it in both cases teaches us that it's not the rule, that it's the exception. Okay? So the, again, same point. Yes, there are a lot of things that fall into both categories, but we're arguing that here it's superfluous. Some of the cases are not necessary. It makes it the exception. Here everything is necessary. It's the rule. And we say the same thing down here in the other cases. Okay. So now the Gemara continues. Um, uh, so where were you? Uh, 
The Kiyu Okay, honey. Now back to the question, though. Fine, you basically gave the same answer for both, but there are cases in both columns. Um, but some of them are superfluous, and if they're superfluous and they're ca- and they're two cases, we say that there's an exception and not the rule. <coughs> but that's only if you say that two cases prove something is an exception. Snakes of the name Some people say snakes of the Two cases can still be a rule. So the Gemara says, That's good if you say that the, you can't learn that they're the, they're an exception once you have two cases and they're and one and at least there's something that's superfluous. But if you say that even two cases and even if it looks a little superfluous is, st- is still a rule Michael and Amar what can you say and that goes on both the, the Azman Grama and the Low Azman Grama you know you have, so what makes those cases exceptions and not rules so Amar Rava Papunai Yadila Lataima Dahamilsa. Those the the this Papunim, there's apparently there was a place called Papona, Rafi Charlie will tell us where that is. Um anyway described by Sunday. And anyway, um the, they know the answer to this. Why? Who are the people from Papunai? Umaru Ravakabar Yaakov. Ravahi Rayakov. So what does he say the meaning is? How do we know these rules given all the questions we just asked? Amakras so you know what you're right there are too many exceptions too many things mentioned in each category if you were just looking at this list you would have no idea which is the rule and which is the exception okay at least we can concede that okay there are things that fall in both categories in both Zman Grama and Loa Zman Grama at the end of the day it's not because oh this has two and this doesn't have two or whatever fine forget that anyway even if it had two probably you could maybe still make it the argument argument still is back to our friend Philin since it ends by saying it means that this is a paradigm for Kola Torah Kula and therefore since Tfilin is mitzvah asesh as mangram and women are putter, and it links it to Torah, that pasuk is telling you that Tfilin is the paradigm. Okay, so how do we know from the Torah that Tfilin is mitzvah as mangram? Uh, how do we, uh, that's from the link to uh, to, to Talmud Torah where where we exclude where we exclude uh, you know Bnei Chavlov and Otechem right? Totally but it's ironic because the Talmud Torah itself is Bnei Chavlov and Otechem and that doesn't become the rule. That's not linked to Kolatar Kula and only Tzilin is linked to Kolatar Kula. Anyway, so let's just read it. So it's not based on how many things are in each list. It's the fact that the Torah labels Tzilin as representative of Kola Torah <coughs> And now we say, <coughs> and now we can just infer the converse since this is the rule, and the point is it should be the rule for Kola Torah Kula. So why did the Torah pick the rule of Kola Torah Kula as something that's a, a time-bound mitzvah to say women are exempt, right? It must be that we should infer that it's only the unique characteristics of tefillin that make women exempt because it's time-bound. But something that wouldn't be in that category, women would be chayav. Okay, phew. That was made a lot easier than figuring out all these lists. Bottom line, tefillin, tefillin is the source. End of story. Now let's now let's get let's see. Can we end with that? Let's keep on going. So the Gemara says like, Hanicha, Lemanda Amar Tefillin Mitzvah Sasei Shazman Grama. Oh, 
Mishkoyach if mitzvah is a time bound mitzvah. El Manor just means us to say Shalosman Grama Michael Amar. Okay? Because if you say it's obligated at night and on Shabbos, and there are those opinions, so then what can you say? So then, great, let it be the paradigm and let it say that women are exempt from all mitzvahs to say. So the Gemara says, Rabbi Meir. So the Gemara says, no. Man Shemesli Dharma Tfil Mitzvah Sasei Shalosman Grama. Who is the one that says that Mitzvah apply both at night and in Shabbos and it's not Zman Grama? Rabbi Meir. We know from another Gemara that that's Rabbi Meir. Okay. The Savalah, but we also know that Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that Shnei Ksubna Ba'am Ke'echad. That once you have two Psukim, they're the exception and not the rule. The Kol Shnei Ksubna Ba'am Ke'echad ain't Malamdin. So we go back, because in the end of the day, remember, what we said is, we managed to say that, bottom line is, in the categories of exception have two cases, which, and are seen as superfluous, both in this category of Shalazman Grama and Azman Grama, and therefore these become the exception. And the categories of Chiyuv, although they also have more than one case, all of those were necessary. But because these were superfluous, these become the exceptions. And the Gemara said, but there's only two in each column. And some people say, even with two cases, you can have it as the rule and not the exception. And that led us to say, okay, okay, it's all about Tzillin. What about those that say you can't learn that Tzillin is Laws Grama? Fine, that's Rabbi Meir. And Rabbi Meir says that two cases does label something as an exception. So basically, we have two Limudim. Either two cases labels it as an exception, and that's true here, and here they're not seen as extra, and therefore that's, you don't apply the same principle. Or, if you need more than two cases to label something as an exception, you can use Tefillin as your paradigm for Kolator Kula. And now the Gemara just ends this and says the following. Um... But we got a problem. Because number one, Rabbi Yehuda says that two cases are, can be a rule, not an exception. Okay? And he says, So what happens if you have neither path available to you? Rabbi Yehuda says Trillin is not time-bound. So that can't be the paradigm. And he also says two cases can be a rule, not an exception. So, if two if filling is can't be the, the paradigm, and if two cases can be a rule, what makes you pick one column over the other column? Back to the question. So, the Gemara says, Mishum davi matzah v'simcha v'hakel shloshe ksubma ba'am k'echad v'shloshe ksubma ba'am k'echad ain malamdin. Because we would once again put simcha back on the list. We would not say what we said before, that simcha is basically the husband's obligation. Simcha is the wife's obligation. So, we have three cases on the list and if we have three cases on the list that labels it as the exception how about up here well maybe if we would have poor vu we would also have three cases on this list okay so there are basically now three ways to say I mean two and a half ways to say how we know it either Tillin is the paradigm end of story Tillin is time bound or Tillin is not time bound and isn't the paradigm then the point is fine. But ironically, there are so many times the Torah explicitly labels things that go against the rule, both here and here, three cases that go against this rule, three cases that go against this rule, that that labels these as the exceptions. Okay? And because all the explicit cases that were against the rule, from there we know that the rule is the opposite. Okay? Which is, of course, very ironic. Okay? Alright. Anyway, moving on. We are now done with how we know women are putter, and laws mangrama women are chayt. And now we get to the next part Lota of the Mishnah. Right. How do you, Lota say men and women are chayiv except for a handful like Tumas Kohanim and Baratashchis of the of the, uh, of the of the peyot and of the of the beard. Okay. So now let's move to that. So Kohanim says Lota say women are women are exempt. Uh, women are chayiv. 
Munani Mili, where do you know this from? Amar Rabbi Yudam Arav, Vachain Tana Debe Rabbi Shmael, Amar Kra, Isho Ishaki, Yasumi Kol Chatos Adam, okay, and that talks about bringing a korban when it's a certain case of like, of Gezo Hager, but nevertheless, the framing of it, Mikol Chatos Adam, all types of sins, and speaks about their, uh, you know, liability towards it. So because it's used that generic frame, it shows that anything that's a sin, meaning not just an omitting of a positive mitzvah, but a transgression, is something that applies to Ish Oisha. All types of punishments um, and transgressions that are deserving of punishment applies equally to men and women. I know that's a low to say okay, I can do uh, if I don't do the pesach, that, that can be a to say Yeah, so I mean, it's I mean, it's a good point. I mean, uh, you know, but. Um, I, again, I think that the general sense is that a chait has to do with an action that is a transgression, not a lack of performing of an obligation. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the, pres- the pres- assumption that, that's going here. Um, yeah, anyway, so now the Gemara says, um, now, we could have just ended there, but we normally have a whole little package of limudim that teaches me the scope of women, things that women are obligated in. Our mission just addresses them, it's a slow tasse. But this following, like, ten lines of Gemara is like a appears in multiple different places in Shas and it's just a, like three differently moving to tell me all different things that women are in. so we're now going to go on even though it's beyond the scope of our Mishnah okay so it says like this the Bay Rabbi Eliezer Tana from the house of Rabbi Eliezer they taught Amakra Asher Tasim Lifneihem these are the Mishpatim that you will place before them with an emphasis on Mishpatim like the civil laws so Hishvakasuv and Lifnehem is collective, all of them, right? So therefore, Hishvakasuv Isha Leish Lechol Dinim Torah. So all matters of civil law, right? Of sort of Ben Adam Lechavero of loaning and you know uh, property and damages and theft and all those types of issues. All matters of civil law. So all matters of criminal law apply equally to men and women. That's Kochatot Adam. And all matters of civil law apply equally to men and women. Right, right, no, no, right. It's, this is just the question about like how do I know that if I ox scores you I've got to pay if I if it scores a woman's ox it's got to pay if a woman's ox scores me it's got how do I know those types of things okay so um from the Chizkiah they taught Amakra they meet Ish Olisha later in Mishpatim it speaks about an ox that gores and kills a man or a woman and has to do a kofar right this sort of atonement payment so why does it say Ish Olisha he's because of Ish if a woman is a victim of murder or of a goring of an ox or whatever the, 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 then the uh, punishment and the you know uh, is equally severe it's treated as equal okay so three different ways in which the Torah is saying women have the same are in the same uh, legal status as men. So now the Gemara says like this. It needed all three cases. If it had just talked about transgression, that women are punished for transgression. Um, so maybe, now of course this is a little ironic because it may be in order be, that the Torah said that they, women get punished for their transgression as much as men because the sense is that punishment serves as an atonement for the transgression. Of course, the question is, but, but you know, it's funny because the first thing you, seem, you would have to teach me is first tell me that they are, that they are, they are bound by those negative prohibitions, right? But anyway, so it's like, so I, I wouldn't say, well, that's only there because to give them kapara, right? I mean, the first, but you know, the chiddush is before that they get kapara for being punished is that they're bound by the prohibition. But anyway, women that had just said that, I would have said maybe you can't infer from that that women are are equal in other places of 
of the law, because maybe it's only in areas of transgression. I mean, we could flip it. Transgression is particularly weighty because it's transgression, and they get punished because to give them kapara for transgression. But you couldn't have inferred from that to give them necessarily equal standing when it came to civil law. All right? Um, so, where are you? When it came to civil law, maybe a man that normally is the one who does business, maybe that's the guy that the Torah sort of applied all the laws of civil law to. And a woman not, which is ironic, because just because she's not usually in that category doesn't mean that when she does find herself in that category she should be disadvantaged or whatever. But no, maybe, nevertheless, maybe that's a way of keeping her out of that category. You only want men to do business, and therefore these laws, I don't know. Anyway, so my might have thought that, that a woman does not have equal standing in civil law. Yes, Even it just told me a woman had equal, had equal standing in civil law. Because it's necessary for a livelihood. As Rashi says, if you didn't have any standing in, in civil law, somebody could rob from her and steal from her and, uh, and, and borrow money and not pay back and would be exempt. And she could do the same. She could rob and buy, you know, from somebody else and not be obligated. So basically, it would make her like a pariah in civil society. Okay? If, if, if she was not at equal treatment under the law. So it was necessary. Avakofer. So now we have necessary necessary for attempts of, of, of what do you call it of like sins because uh, you know it's weighty so she's bound by it and she, she needs a form of atonement if she transgresses we have the issue about business because it's necessary to be part of society be bound by civil law of a kofar but the idea that if an ox gores it pays atonement ema okay this has got to be one of the most difficult lines that we're going to read ema ish to bar mitzvos maybe an ox only has to pay kofar when it gores a man because a man is like obligated in mitzvahs. Aisha, more mitzvahs. Well, that's what Tozo says. Jesus says, uh, more mitzvahs. I mean, we just got through saying that women are obligated in mitzvahs. Anyway, Aisha, but a woman who has less of a mitzvah obligation, low, maybe, you know, would not be. So this is... That she's not considered a bar mitzvah? She's like rather arbitrary. Since when we see that the killings because of the number of mitzvot? I mean... I understand. Well, no, he's not bound by fewer mitzvot. That's not about his legal right, status. Right, but this is, look, this is obviously very difficult because, you know, Rav Moshe Feinstein was asked once in the earlier ages of feminism, I don't remember going back 40 years or more 50 years, you know, about a rabbi that said, you know, women in my community are basically saying that the Torah recognizes, sees them, you know, as second class citizens, sees that they don't have the same level, of, not, not just that they don't do as many mitzvot as men, but that in a fundamental way, their status, they're recognized the as, humanity. well, right, they're recognized as less kedusha, less of a status, and so on. And, you know, we make a bracha shaloas on Isha and the whole thing. So he goes to this whole Jew and says, no, chas for shalom, that's absolutely not true. Same level of kedushah, everything is the same. It's just technically, there are reasons why they're putter and mitzvot, but that doesn't rec- see them as fundamentally of a different status. Okay, but, you know, then you read like a, a Gemara like this. You could say it's only the Havamin, and then it rejects the Havamin, yeah. right? Yeah. But it sort of says that, well, maybe we should look from the exemption of mitzvot. That would have put them at some lower status, and therefore, you're not as deserving as an atonement payment if they get killed by an ox. A very, very disturbing tomorrow. Does this uh, connect with the question of how much uh, we're considering the white property? The discussion much earlier? Uh, yeah, but that was a sexual property. I think that was still less. It never was got to the conversation sort of like as a slave of property, you know, in that sort of sense. But so maybe an element. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, uh, maybe the, here, yeah. yeah, there could be, yeah. 
think the woman has more mitzvahs than the man. Because, what do you mean? Because they're raising the children. Right. In practice, that's of course... Right. That's of course the irony as well. I mean, that's of course the irony as well, which is like, as a matter of, you know, I mean, as a matter of like, who really maintains the Jewish household, right? You know, it's the women, right? Kashras and Shabbos and raising the kids and all of that. But then as a matter of like, social standing, right, the men are sort of seen in this, you know, higher position, but that's an excellent point. Yep. The Yashmin in Haas, anyway, I would have had a Havamina, Baruch Hashem, that's not the Halacha. The Yashmin in Haas, Mishum Dika Ibn Hashem, if you just told me that, that's what we're talking about, loss of life. So, of course, women are going to be treated equally. Chas Rechman Allah. So, therefore, the Torah had Rechmanas and said, you know, life, she's deserving of, obviously, or the heirs are deserving of a Kofar payment. Rohanach Tarti, other things which are not as severe as loss of life, aim alone. Maybe a woman would not have equal treatment. So at the end of the day, women are treated as equal sort of, you know, citizens in all these areas, civil law, criminal law, the whole thing. The only difference is time, ba- certain time, certain mitzvot say. Okay, and now we go with a small number of negative mitzvot, of, of, of prohibitions that women are exempt from. Chutz, with three exceptions. Cutting the payas and cutting the uh, corners of the beard, and tumas kohanim. Okay, for for a Kohen, male Kohanim cannot become Tamei Lameis. So the one says, Bishlim about the Tamei Lameisim, I get, it's obvious why the becoming Tamei Lameis does not apply to women. Um, say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aharon. So B'nei Aharon, the Lobanos Aharon, right? And it's not just like a Pusach that's exempting. We know that basically the male children are called Kohanim. You know what a female child of a Kohen is called? A Bat Kohen. Actually, there is one or two Gemaras that actually refer to as a Kohenet. Okay, and actually some discussion about whether you can give a bat kohen slash kohen like the matanot you know like the zroh lechayayim v'keva you know and certain things are interesting anyway but nevertheless fundamentally not really recognized as a kohen only the males are kohanim so clearly that only applies to the males okay el baltaki fugaltashlis that's cutting the corners of the, the payout of the head you know and the, uh, the side locks and the beard minolan how do you know to exempt women right and again you might say well women don't have those well first of all women do have you know could have some side side yeah, they don't have the beards, but some women do have beards. I mean, whatever, you know. And, and what about cutting somebody else's beard, right? So how do you know that they are exempt from that? So the Gemara it's says... Isn't it Tzad Zekanecha? Yeah. So what? Zekanecha v'lo zeknotecha? V'lo zeknotecha? Yeah, but you, you, you transgress when you cut other people. I mean, that's another discussion. But you do transgress when you cut somebody else's beard. So anyway, the Gemara says, Minala, and where do you know that women are exempt? Tchsiv, lo takifu pa'ad roshchem, v'lo tashchit et ta'ad zekanecha. So, so koshi yeshno ba'ashchata yeshno ba'hakafa. Anybody that is prohibited against destroying the beard is prohibited to get is is, is you know uh, prohibited to cut off the the uh, side locks. So v'hani nashi hovlo isnu ba'ashchasan. Since women are not you know warned against cutting the corners of the beard, lesnu ba'kafa they're also not warned against the side locks. So now the Gemara says, how do you know? How do you know they're not warned against the beard? I mean, all in the low isnu ba'ashchasa. How do you know they're not? And Rashi says, let's say they happen to have facial hair and have a beard or as I, I say let's say it's for cutting somebody else's beard anyway how do you know they're not included in the cutting of the beard so the Gemara says um, uh, if you want Svara it's just Svara Clearly, okay, you can have some rare exception that maybe, you know, a woman has a beard. But nevertheless, clearly, the Torah's talking to men, right? That's the presumed audience here, you know? So that's number one. 
the same. If you want, I can tell you, Kra, it's from the Pasuk, Dama Kra, Lozakivu Ba'at Roshchem, Velozashit Eitpat Zikanecha, thank you, Zikanecha, Zikanecha would be your elders, right? Velozashit Eitpat Zikanecha, Midashani Kra, Bidibure, since the Pasuk went out of its way, why did it say Roshchem? And then say Zikanecha. Why didn't it say Ziknechem? Zikanchem, excuse me, I just did it again. Okay, Zikanchem, I guess it would be. Why didn't it say Zikanecha? Not Zikanchem. Midashani Krabiti Bure and made it the singular. Dinke Nichtav Rahmana Paat Zikanchem. My Zikanecha. Zikanecha, the Lord Zikan Ishtacha. It's singular. Your beard, not your wife's beard, okay? So the singular means a smaller audience. Okay? Has a bearded lady. So therefore, of the beard is only by men that naturally have a beard and therefore if that's only by men the whole pasuk is only by men as well as the pay how do you know that Rosh Chem is not a different thing Rosh Chem, men and women I know so it's funny the Rosh Chem is plural you could say Dafka's making it more broad yeah. and we're choosing to link it to the end of the pasuk uh, what can I tell you again it gets to the question of how much do we know this or how much are we deriving it so now the message is like this the, um, the low are you telling me that women are not prohibited about cutting the beard if they have a beard if a woman or a eunuch has uh, a beard, also because it would be unlikely for a eunuch to have facial hair, if they have facial hair, that's like a beard for all purposes. So presumably all purposes mean for the halacha of cutting the beard. So at least that bright, I mean, that's not a question of the psukim we're learning it from. That's just a bright that seems to go against our Mishnah. Our Mishnah says women are exempt. And this bright that says that if women have a beard, the beard is like has the full status of a beard. So, so this is Svara and Mikra, there's now... Mishnah. <laughs> right. But, but, but the point is, it's funny that it's being brought in as a challenge to the psukim we derive it from, because really it's just a different opinion than our Mishnah. So why don't you just say, okay, fine, that argues on our Mishnah. We're defending our Mishnah. But let's see what the Gemara does with it. Um, so, so my love, Lashchas, doesn't that mean for this prohibition of cutting the hair of the beard? I'm Rabbi, no. Lashchas, no, 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 no. It can't be talking about Hashchas. Because our Mishnah is certainly right about Hashchas, that women are exempt from cutting the beard. How do you know? Besides the Pesukim we quoted before, Abai is going to give us another Pesuk that teaches us that women are exempt from cutting the beard. The Yali, Pa'at, 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 now what you have to know is that the Torah says both by Yisrael don't cut the peyot and the beard and by the Kohanim right by the Yisrael the Torah says what's the puzzle we just count lo takifu pa'at roshchem velo sashchit eit pa'at zikanecha Okay? So that's Yisrael. By the Kohanim it says, what does it say by the Kohanim? Um, Rashechem, no, um, it says, what's the puzzle by the Kohanim? Lo Yigalechu. Fa'at Zikanam Lo Yigalechu. So that's the end of the Pasuk. Fa'at Zikanam Lo Yigalechu. What's the beginning of the Pasuk? Um, anybody have the Pasuk in there? Here. Thank you. Um, so the Pesach is... Uh, no, it's Vayikah 21. Yeah, it's Tupsukim. So which one is it? Where is it? 
Here we go. Lo No, no, it's just lo There's no, there's no, there's no peyat haros. It's lo beroshem. Okay, lo which we'll get back to. Lo beroshem. Okay, so. Anyway, at least the Pe'at de Kanam is the same by both, except here it's Lo Tashchit and here it's Lo Yigaleichu, and we'll look at that in a minute. But nevertheless, since this is talking about the Kohanim B'nei Aaron, the Pesach says, right, that's what the Pesachim begin over there in Emperor, the Kohanim B'nei Aaron, you say, since this is only men, and this is the Kanam Lo Yigaleichu, so the Pe'a Pe'a links us, right, and tells us, that this is also only men, and if this is also only men, then the whole thing is only men. So it's another basis to tell us that, uh, that this is talking about men. First we said it's just Svara, or Zikanecha tells you that. Now we're telling us the link to Kohen tells us it's only men. Okay? So we'll see in a minute what Abai does with his Freita that says a woman's beard is treated equally like a beard. But he starts by saying there's no question that women are exempt from this issue of shaving the beard. Okay? So he says like this. He says... Uh, da, 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 da. He says like this. Um... You cannot say that women are exempt from Ashkasa, are Chayiv in Ashkasa. You learn it from Nearon. The same way their women are exempt, your women are exempt. Now the Gemara interrupts Abaye to confuse it, okay, to get us a little bit confused, so get ready. So the Gemara says like this It says, How do we know that women are exempt by the case of the Kohanim? Because the Sukim started earlier than that. Right, the Pesukim started with... This is the Pesukim, I'm sorry. It says like this, it says, Right, Lenefesh lo yitama be'amav So way back here, way back, three Pesukim healer was, Emor el ha-kohanim, el ha-kohanim, b'nei aharon, that's the men, right? Lenefesh lo yitama be'amav, lo yitama and all of this was tuma. Lo right? And it ended with lo yitama baal be'amav. Lo yitama baal be'amav. Then it says lo So the question is, how do we know this is only males? Because way back here it said we're talking about the men by Tuma, okay. So now the Gemara is going to stop to question Abaye and says your idea that you can learn from Kohanim assumes that this label of men applies all the way over here. How do you know that's true? So let's take a look. So uh, da 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 da. So it says like this. So the Gemara says. Um, one minute. If B'nei Aron applies to the whole, everything to the whole Inyan, going all the way from Tuma to here, um, um, why did I need a Gzei Roshava? You Abayi said that we make a Gzei Roshava. Forget a Gzei Roshava. I'll say this is all talking about men, and I'll apply this to Yisrael by a Kavachomer. What's the Kavachomer? And I'll say like this. 
Um, I would say that have greater obligations more demands than a normal Yisrael but now when it comes to shaving the beard it's only the sons only the men Yisrael when it comes to shaving the beard for Yisrael certainly it should only be only the men so the big one is saying why do you need your Gzera Shava let's just learn it from a Kavachomer so Yimar says no. Ilav Gzei Shava have Amina. So this is still Abayi's Gzei Shava. If it wasn't for the Gzei Shava, I would have said Hifsi Kanyan. I would have said this is why says Abayi I need the Gzei Shava because I would have said Bnei Aron doesn't apply. Bnei Aron is only by Tuma. I, w- I would have said that maybe this is men and women. But then okay maybe this applies to women equally. But then I say wait wait, wait but there's a Gzei Shava. If this applied to women equally, why would I need the Gzei Shava? What's the Gzei Shava teaching me? So since the Gzeir Shavit is telling me there's something to learn from going to Israel, there's nothing, the only thing there would be to learn is to limit it to men. Okay? And therefore, that teaches me that this is going on the whole thing. Okay? So it's saying like this. If I didn't have a Gzeir Shava, I would have said, this is men, this is men and women, okay? Hishtik Ha'inyan, and I wouldn't have had a Kavachomer, because I would have just said, this, this, this limit of men doesn't go this far. Okay? But then comes along a Kavachomer, and a Kavachomer says, hey, you know what? There's something you can learn from one to the other. I'm saying, what can I learn? You know? This is men and women. That's men and women. There's nothing to learn. Oh! The fact that it's telling me there's something to learn teaches me that this all is about men. And therefore, then, now I understand why there's a Gzei Shava to teach me that there's something to learn. Okay? So it's a very complicated Gemara, because at the end of the day, the Gemara isn't questioning the idea that you can learn from Kohen to Israel that it's only men. The Gemara is just saying, why did you need the Gzei Shava? Because if I didn't have the Gzei Shava, I would have said this applies equally to women, and uh, whatever. The Gzei Shava forces me to find something to learn, and that teaches me that the idea of men applies here as well. It's a literary sidebar. It's really right. uh, it's a hermeneutic, it's a hermeneutic debate. Exactly, which is, I think, sometimes hard to keep focus on. But let's, let's finish the argument, okay? So the Gemara says like this, Hashanami Nami Hisi Kenyan, no, I, I disagree. If you would have said that, there, there, that this men is only this part and this is men and women, I could still learn something from the Gzei Shava, even if this is men and women. What could I learn from the Gzei Shava? How the Gemara uh, says, the Yishum Gzei Shava, and you look at me, well, what's this? If it's about men and women, what's the Gzei Shava teaching me? There's a lot to teach me to link the two. Like we taught in the Brisa. Lo Yigalechu. Then now we're going to say, you know what you need the Gzei Shava? Forget the men issue. You need the Gzei Shava to tell me what is the nature, what type of act is forbidden. And here's what we're going to say. Tashchit means a destructive act. Like it gets it at the root. But it doesn't mention shaving. It doesn't mention cutting. So Tashchit could be something like, you know, plucking it out with a uh, tweezers. Because now, Shigalechu is a cutting and a shaving with a blade. But that doesn't mean that, it doesn't talk about getting it out at the root. So each one of those is only a piece of the puzzle. So let's take a look. Do not shave. So maybe you can't even cut with the scissors because that's a form of blade and cutting. No, Tashchit tells me that to be a destructive cutting. It has to be like a shaving against the skin. Cutting with scissors is a... 
Yachok, but it's not about Tashchit. Yachok Viktobim Lakit Brihani. Oh, but if it's about destructive and getting at the root, maybe plucking it out with tweezers, Yechayev, Tamadomal Yigalech. No, no, no. Lo Tashchit isn't enough. It has to be with a blade. It has to be with shaving. Haketzad. So what is the only thing that's prohibited? This is very important. This is how we know. You know, this is why many people think you can use a electric shaver. Because they say an electric shaver is essentially a scissors action. Right? So therefore, Haketzad Giluach Sheyesh Bohas Chashchata. It's only a shaving that cuts at the root. Haviomer Zetar. That's a, that's a razor blade. So, you need a Gzei Shava to tell me the fundamental definition of what type of shaving is forbidden on the beard. Not scissors, not plucking, only like a razor blade shaving. So, back to the question, which is, is that, how do you know, is that, you know, why is the guy using his Gzei Shava to say men or whatever? Again, this is just really like a uh, hermeneutic question. Why not just say that this applies straight and learn it out from like a Kavachomer. So the Gemara says no. If that was true that that the Gzeri Shavu was not teaching me also the issue about men it would have just said uh, the fact that it had this extra word seemed to be that sort of Ta'at is coming to tell me, use that extra word to make a, to learn out something else, to make a, a Gzeir Shava to teach me also this issue about not just the nature of Batashchis and Yigalechu, but also the idea that it's only men. Anyway, that was pretty complicated, but the bottom line is, what Abai is saying is that I know Batashchit is only men, because it's only men by Kohanim, and therefore either a Kavachomer or a Gzeir Shava, and a Gzeir Shava maybe teaches me other things as well, but bottom line is, I know this is men, and and therefore I apply it to Israel, and therefore it is clear that women are not obligated in the shaving of the beard. So now we have to get back to the Brita that said the beard by women is treated as a beard. So let's just get back to that. So the Gemara says like this. That's what we taught in the Brita. It's considered like a full beard. So the Gemara says, To tell you that if it gets a spot of Tzarat, like we just learned, that they're Tamei. So the Gemara says, Tumas Nigayim Behedeksiv, it says in the Pasuk, the Ish Oishati Yabonega Berosh Obezakan. It says Zakan even in the Pasuk talking about Isha. So El Amarmarzutra with Tarat Nigayim. No, no, no. To tell you that if the spot becomes actually, uh, that when they become Tahor from this process of the Tuma of the hair, of the, of the beard or of the head, that they follow the same procedure as a man would be. So the Gemara says, that's also obvious. To Aras Nigayim if she's going to be in the category of becoming Tamei just like the man so she follows the same process of Tahara Itzrich no you need it meaning Itzrich not Tahara back to Tuma why do you need this brighter to teach me that the Goyim applies to the beard even if it's an Apostok meaning I would have read the Pasuk and I probably would have read the Pasuk this way if I said to you hey Charlie it says, is the Torah talking about a beard for a woman so you would have said, no, no, no. It means if a man or a woman has a has a sarat in the head, or a man has a sod on his beard. Right? You would have said zakan is referring to the case of man. You would have said it's not talking about the case of women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The pasuk is only talking about about partially. It's the, it's on half of the pasuk. Isha ishakia bonega barosh. Period. That's isha isha goes on barosh. Oh, the zakan or on a man's beard. So that's how I might have read 
the Pasuk. Hadar Asan Le'ish, that beard goes to the man, Kamash Milan, so it teaches me not that way, it teaches me, the Brita, that it's considered the same for Tzarat, for, tzara, for, for even the, uh, a Tzarat on the beard. So rather than say that there's a Brita that argues on our Mishnah, and I don't know why the Gemara can't contemplate that there's another opinion that argues on the Mishnah, it says that everybody agrees a woman is exempt from Baal Tashchit, uh, by the beard and the Peyot, and that the only issue is, and the Brita is talking about the Halacha of Tzarat on the beard, just to clarify what the Pasuk means. How do you know a woman is exempt? Either Zikanecha, not Zikanchem, teaches you that, or it's Svara, or the link to Kohanim teaches you that this is all talking about, about men and not women. Yes? I just want to say, I think it's really, this concept of um, Sikh Ilyana, yeah. it's really interesting. Question, right? Like where does the concept right. of the text end? Right. How far can you extend and define the context? Right. Right, and it gets carried even more to the Pasuk we just dealt with, which is even in one Pasuk, to, right. to, to limit it to half the Pasuk right. and not the other half. Right. Okay, let's just read a little bit more. Look at this. Aren't we impressed about how we're totally back on track? Okay, so the most says like this. Okay. So now Isi teaches Women are not only exempt in um, in the shaving of the beard and of the side locks, but making like a bald spot in the head. Women are exempt. My time up, okay, the Isi, the Darishachi, Okay, so here, so here's another pasuk you've got, right? By the Kohen you have this pa'atzikadam lo yigalechu that links to this pasuk by Yisrael, but it also says lo yikuku chachaparasham uvatzikadam lo yigalechu, and we might as well say uviv saram lo yisrutu saratet. Lo yisrutu saratet. So from this link we learn what is the nature of it's a tashkis and yigalechu. But these things and Saratet, we have another Pasuk by Yisrael. What is the Pasuk we have by Yisrael? Banimatem Lashem Elokechem. Banimatem Lashem Elokechem. Lo, what is it? Lo Tisko Didu. Tisko Didu. Velo Tasimu Korcha Bein Enechem Lamed. So this idea of making lacerations in the flesh or bald spots over a dead body, right, does that apply only to, to men and women? Why not? This Pusuk, there's nothing to limit this Pusuk to men. Well, it could be, Banim. Anyway, but, but the, so presumably this applies to men and women. Comes along Isi, and Isi says, even the idea of Karcha here is only applies to men. Where does he get that from? Let's just read one sentence, and we'll pick up with this on Shabbos. It says... My time at the EC, Darish Hachi, Banimatam Lashem Lukechem, Lotis Kadu, Lotasim Korcha Ben Nechem Lamez, He Am Kadoshata Lashem Lokecha, and as Dove correctly anticipated, Banim, Below Banot, Lukorcha. So the bald spots, and presumably maybe also the lacerations of the flesh, presumably, are only for men, not for women. Okay? Now, but the Gemara says, would you apply that to the lacerations? Maybe the lacerations also, women can, is only limiting it to men. No. You're a holy people. So, I mean, holy people, you know, all of you are a holy people. So, so that means don't make lacerations. Something that is less of an affront to the body, less of a problem, which is only lekarcha. Okay, 
So, Umam Reita, the Rabot et Hagedida, why do you say women are included because of Am Kadosh in the prohibition of laceration? Ulahotzi et Hakarcha, but they're excluded from the bald spot because it's Panim Velo Banot. Marbani et Hagedida, Sheyeshkin B'Makom Hasar, Velo B'Makom Hasar, because Gedida is more, is a broader scope. Gedida applies to any part of the body, where there's hair, where there's no hair, any laceration. Moshe is in Hakarcha, Sheyin Ela B'Makom Hasar, Okay, so so let's say, but as opposed to karcha, that's a more limited prohibition. That's what will exclude women. So you have banim, banim atem l'Hashem l'Zechem, and then you have kiam kadosh. You can also say, by the way, okay, am kadosh is linked most immediate no actually it doesn't work anyway so Banim we're going to say women are excluded and included they're excluded from the more limited prohibition of of Karcha and they're included from the broader prohibition of lacerations yeah. in the flesh okay and we'll pick up on Shabbos with this position of 